Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Welcome back to the Azure Podcast. Today is the 17th of March in 2022, and we are on episode 416 today talking about Azure Purview. On Teams with us, we have our very special guests, Amber Zhao and Karen Eichberg, as well as um, our usual host, Suji, Kale, and myself, Cynthia. Before we get started with our special guest, as usual, we have a couple updates we wanted to share. Kale, do you want to start first? Yeah, sure. I got a few here today, but the one that's most important to me, but really is less uh, probably important to Azure. Uh, there's uh, this just came up. If anybody watches like normal like TV shows today, like reality shows, there's this uh, new show called Domino Masters. Uh, where these guys basically stack dominoes in these like crazy configurations like a competition. And the reason I call it out is um, I saw the headline and uh, this gentleman, Claudius, used to work at Microsoft with us. Uh, he worked directly with me uh, when we were doing blockchain stuff years back. And, um, you know, great, great guy. He ended up leaving and, and starting a startup. But he's going to be on the TV show next week. So I wanted to call that out because Claudius is awesome. And uh, we've done a lot of work at Microsoft together. So uh it was super cool to see that he's uh, he's doing something with that kind of exposure, you know. Um, more relevant news uh, around Microsoft and Azure was uh, I got three things here. One is around uh, our circular uh, data centers, we call it, which is uh, basically an initiative around the sustainability uh, group that's inside of the Microsoft Cloud and how we, uh, when we use the term circular centers, basically how we are able to intelligently and uh, sustainably basically decommission things from Azure in a, a circle, right? So as things are born and come into a data center, they have a life cycle. And then as they're eventually decommissioned, how can we uh, be better at you know our carbon footprint and how we handle the waste uh, that's coming out of there? And maybe not waste, but like used items all the way from like our supply chain and, and selling those things uh, that don't include data and things like that, obviously, but, um, and then how we actually decommission things that have to be destroyed or whatnot. So pretty cool thing. And it also uses a lot of the Azure services like Dynamics, Power Platform, um, kind of our own dog food there uh, around how we kind of manage that. Second thing was around the uh, Azure Health Data Services. I think we brought this up a few times on the podcast before, but uh, there's been some more announcements around using AI and some of our data platform uh, for healthcare. Uh, and this is specifically like deep integration into things like the fire protocol, how transformations happen between like different kind of objects that are like in a hospital type environment, um, DICOM, all the different kind of protocols that are used to communicate, you know, images, data, things like that inside healthcare. Um, so there's a lot of work we've been doing in that space from an industry perspective. Um, and so all the things that govern like how the PHI data is handled through, like, as I mentioned, protocol level things. So 
super cool stuff that's been launched there and continues to grow. Um, so take a look at that. And the last piece I had was around, um, you know, scaling the partner ecosystem. Partners are huge, you know, uh, Microsoft ISVs, SIs and whatnot. And uh, there's been some new uh, enhancements there for our partners. One was around the private offers uh, that exist in Azure uh, are now have this margin sharing, uh, which basically allow partner to partner kind of ecosystem to grow. So instead of it just being Microsoft working with a partner, the partners can actually work together and can share margin uh, to basically grow their business and their products. Um, so that's super cool. Um, there's a lot of talk around, you know, the digital landscape, how COVID, you know, even pre-COVID, a lot of people were going more digital adoption for like sales and things like that. And, and it's just accelerated with COVID. So uh, something good for our partners there. That's all. Thanks, Gail. Siji? That's pretty good, Gail. Yeah, so I have a couple here. Uh, the first is uh, related to the app configuration service and believe me i didn't know we had a service called app configuration until recently uh, until i started using it and it's a very cool service you know as developers we always have config files that we put in our applications and everyone has their own config file and that can be a problem so this way there's a service out there it's been around for a while uh, as i said i just discovered it uh, uh, that can host your configuration in a central place, and then all your app developers can point to that same place and avoid any discrepancy in their configurations. But related to that, they've added two new features now. One is uh, a soft delete feature. Obviously, configuration is something you don't want to accidentally delete, uh, right? So they've uh, added a soft delete where you can delete it, and within seven days, you can then undelete it if you have to, uh, if you made it by mistake. And uh, related to that, they also had a feature where you can disable the hard delete. So it's not possible. You can set a policy where it's not possible to actually delete. You have to use a soft delete. So both of those are just meant to uh, avoid any uh, mistakes uh, made with the app configuration. So take a look at that. And the other one is related to our PostgreSQL. We had Prabhat and Sunil here just a few episodes ago to talk about PostgreSQL and Azure. And they've added a few uh, new features there, two of them actually. One is uh, related to uh, running Lambda function like style functions instead of Postgres, you know, so they've added that extension in Postgres. And the second is they've added the time scale DB uh, extension, which allows you to run time series databases in Postgres. Both are extremely valuable to our customers. So take a look at that. Cynthia, we over to you. Thank you. Thank you. So there's one that is really exciting around the public, pre public preview of private link support for Azure API management uh, before we know that it is available for VNet integrations through the developer tier and the premium tier, of course. But now that with private endpoints, you're actually able to use it across the developer basic standard as well as premium tier. And um, there, there's just a lot of very exciting updates around this now that you're able to use private endpoints so that you're able to control the network traffic between the client in your private network, as well as API management, so that it doesn't have to go through the internet and it goes through Microsoft Backbone Network instead. So you're not exposing any traffic into the public internet. And we see that as like a constant ask from a number of different customers. So definitely check that out now that it is in private preview. The other thing that is now generally available is a best practice assessment for SQL Server on Azure Virtual Machines. There is actually a assessment that 
goes through your configuration on your VM to see if you're set up the way that we would recommend as Microsoft. You're able to just start at whatever, or you can also schedule that to start at a later time, and you're able to see the results and how you can improve upon your configurations. And without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Amber and Karen. Amber and Karen, can you tell us what you do at Microsoft and introduce yourself as well? Amber, you want to start first? Okay, thank you. This is Amber Zhao, IBC Raman. I'm Senior Data Engineer in Fast Track for Azure. And this is my 11 year in Microsoft. My career started from the Microsoft intern. I was uh, uh, working for SQL Server, and 10 years ago, I moved to Azure. And so it's really excited working on Azure the Data Service. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. Back to you, Karen. Great, thank you. Um, Karen Eckberg, I'm a program manager in the Fast Track for Azure team. I've been in this role for about two years. Prior to that, I was a technical account manager in our West business. Um, so that's my role. Thank you. So just starting us off, what is the Azure Purview service and which customers or what type of use case should we look into to use this service? Um, the Azure Purview target as the data governors, um, the service. So it's been announced last September GA. And for the use case, when, so when the product go GA, so we saw even before GA, we saw a lot of customers come to us to fast track ask her. Can we start from the test and the, you know Azure Purview? So the scenario that would be uh, data, data governors and the catalog, uh, lineage and the classification. This will, will be very helpful for customer to manage their multiple data source. And when you say multiple data sources, what are some of the data sources that is available to be managed through Purview? Mm -hmm. Yeah, currently, so probably support more than four, four, uh, 40 uh, data source, um, not just Azure and it across uh, cross cloud, Azure, AWS, Google. Um, so Azure, so the Azure stack, like the, the uh, SQL server, uh, the SQL server, and also the Azure SQL database, manage instance and Postgres and MySQL, uh, blob storage, ASGen2, all those already be supported using Purview to scan those data source. And meanwhile, so it also support AWS, AWS S3, AWS uh, RDS, and it's just announced uh, uh, Google BigQuery. So GCP also being in the support list. And so on-premise, we know for the data domain, so there's a lot of on-premise data, SAP, CC, SAP HANA, and SQL Server. So it also be support for those on-premise teradata. And we know in the uh, big data domain and in the analytics domain, so Snowflake would be a, a famous one. And so Snowflake uh, connector just announced last December. So that would be uh, a new one, the connector data source that's been supported for the purview. Yeah. So when you say data governance, like the thing that jumps into my mind are things mm -hmm. like, you know, when I have Outlook and I have like policies or like uh, things that are set in there that basically say, hey, I can't forward this email or I can't like screenshot this email. What does it mean like data governance like with SQL Server? Does it do the same thing? Does it like control what I can do with it or is it just purely a tagging uh, classification type system? Not just the classification. So there's a so in data governance we have so, some pillars. The first one would be catalog. So catalog will scan data source, ingest this metadata to purview. So which means that the user, the uh, the 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 reader, or the data curator, so all the 
audience, they do not need access to physical data source like the SQL Server. They just access, you know, the data graph platform. So it will be the purview. So it's just a metadata, no any real data, raw data. So it's more protected data. And the second will be um, so the the um, second will be uh, if I use the example you just mentioned. So the policy. So policy is also pretty um, the big one. So from from the policy. So currently, purview already support the policy. So we can define the policy from purview and approve or deny the access to the uh, physical data source. If I use example like the ADLS Gen 2, so we can create a policy. We want to use access. That user could access the ADLS Gen 2 or deny the access. So this will be a central place to manage access. And another one would be, you know, so the classification. So we just talk about the classification. And the purview has a um, 206 building classification. So this classification also come from Microsoft 365 information protection. And so all those building, when the purview scan the data source and uh, ingest the metadata, and this uh, building classification will be applied. And if there's any like the PI data, PCI data, the personal name, or you want to figure out like the, some SSN, you, we know this is like a pretty standard. Uh, we want to classify the data. So this classification could be applied during the scan. And meanwhile, the user also can create their own classification. So if they have like, so I want to based on my employee ID. So that's that's pretty unique for the based on the company. So user also can create a custom classification. So that's pretty nice. So yeah, not just the classification, um, policy, catalog, lineage. Lineage also will be very nice one since the lineage in the lineage we can track end to end from the data source, the movement from data to the destination. It could be maybe have some multiple data flow from the if the user using um, the data source like Snowflake and then they want to move the data to uh, maybe ADS Gen 2 uh, and then move data to the Power BI. So we can track the data flow from the Snowflake to the ADS Gen 2 and to Power BI. This would be end-to-end -end tracker where data come and where the data eventually to serve. So from an application developer perspective, uh, if I'm accessing any of these databases today and we introduce uh, Azure Purview in the middle, mm -hmm. does that mean I have to all the requests go through Azure Purview? How does that work in terms of you know the the data access to the applications? Like how mm -hmm. how is Purview going to know that hey you know this application is accessing this uh, database or is moving data from here to here, for example? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, for the application, so we know application is a front layer. So if the application that is a web application, so the application, the transaction will go to the database. So purview, the data governors, that's more handle with uh, um, from the data layer. So if the, the application called the data layer, if you're using a SQL server, and a SQL server has moved the data, like so I use the procedure and insert data, and then I use the query to query. So the purview just announced last week uh, is going to support lineage for star procedure. Um, so that would be a new one. And uh, so there's another type application. If the application would be SAP, so we know SAP is pretty large. So it would be application now, not just a database. Since uh, the application, the SAP behind also has a, a database. So purview support uh, SAP CC, SAP HANA, SAP BW from application level to track, to ingest the metadata, and also track the lineage. This lineage will be static lineage. Um, we'll display the relationship between table, view, and the streams.
I'm curious from Amber and Karen with the、mm-hmm. customers you're working with. What are some motivations that a customer would want to look into a service like this one? And before this service was available, what are some ways that people had to do all of these tasks that you mentioned? Because I think from a customer perspective, they would always want to know like what are how data is moving across different systems. How was it achieved before Purview? Yeah, I can I can go a little bit into that and let Amber finish it out. But、uh, so as a program manager at Fast Track, a lot of my job is working with the nominators.、Um, they could be from the field, our our account teams. They could be from the customers themselves or our partners. And so a lot of times for Purview specifically, they're looking to build that data catalog where they just didn't have it before.、Um, so just that that core basic need. I honestly am not sure what they did before. That's something I should know, but Just to build it out from the baseline, and also security is a huge driver too. They want to know、um, what credit card numbers, social security numbers are, where they've been, who's looked at it. So that's been a lot of what we've seen, at least from my perspective, and the projects I've done to date. But I'll let Amber add some more there. Yeah, for the catalog, so、um, the there, there is an Azure Data Catalog v1, so that is、uh, the old version, and so we also see some customer using that one. That's that's probably focused on the、uh, catalog. So the purview, that's not just a catalog, we know. So it's also lineage, classification, and policy. So it's expand、uh, the broad scope, and so. Um, the customer,、um, there's a the customer could be using you know some open source technology if the the lane is not available and、uh, so you know classification that's also available in the information protection but that's kind of like the for Microsoft 365. So now we have the everything we have those uh, uh, catalog classification policy in Azure. So that's bring more that's that's make more、uh, customer more. Easy to use this data source and uh, uh, manage gov the data source. Using the purview, yeah. And and with all of these uh, various uh, data sources that are currently supported, is the level of support the same across all of them? In other words, we can do lineage across all of them. We could do, you know, the protection,、uh, etc., across all of them. Or is there some different level of support that we have based on the data source? Um, yeah, so for the、um, for the lineage for the support, so、uh, currently, so we have the two、um, two level the lineage two type. The one is like the static. So for the static one, so for the data source, it will be more、um, the demonstrator the relationship between the objects, the metadata, and so another level for the support that will be、um, for the dynamic lineage, or we call it the runtime lineage. So we know、uh, we using ADF. Pipeline and Synapse Pipeline, we could copy the data or move the data from the source to the sync. So that is the built-in、uh, lineage for the the purview, and it will capture the real-time, the runtime data movement、uh, for the lineage. Yeah. So these are two different、uh, support level for the lineage part. Yeah. How should we think about the different roles that have access to Azure Purview, given、mm. that it at the same time Can see into so many different services.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good one. So the、um, the per、uh, purview has multiple roles that's available, so the user can easily to manage the who can access, who can manage. So.、Um, 
So there's a, uh, it's not just based on our bank. We know our banks, we, we manage from the, the service, but uh, the purview give more granularity, uh, granularity, the permission management, role management in the purview service, in the purview studio. And so in the purview studio, so we can give like the collection of the mean and also the data curator, data source of the mean, data reader, and also the policy author and the flow, um, workflow, uh, that is uh, some new, uh, the roles. And so in those roles, so we can give like, okay, we want all the user can read, can access Purview Studio. So just give reader permission. And we want some user to design the collection. We know in the Purview, multiple data source, we can organize the data source metadata under collection. Collection has a hierarchy structure. So the collection could be based on, you know, application, based on the team. So it depends on how we design the collection. We manage the, the data source, manage metadata. And so if we want some user only, you know, scan data source, not just, uh, you know, uh, create a collection. So we can just give the data source admin permission, the data source permission, uh, data source admin role. And if we want some user, they can, they're not, a, they're not, a, so they're not, a, you know, not just a scan, so they're curator. So the, we can give the, the user um, data curator the role, so they can modify the um, asset and they can link with the uh, glossary term. So that is kind of like for the data curator. Yeah. And a policy role. So policy is for this user only can create a policy and to manage policy. Yeah, on the uh, different data sources you've been talking about here, one question that came to my mind was like, how extensible is that? Is it something where like y your team is taking input from you know, the market and, and customers and partners? Like, here's the data sources we should plug in. You mentioned like Snowflake and SQL Server and stuff like that. Or is this something like that's going to become like extensible where I have a unique data source, right? And mm. I want to bring that data in. How do I do that? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. So we hear a lot of the requirement for the extended data source. So uh, I think they will go to two directions. The first one be um, the the purview engineering team. So they're uh, aggressive to develop new connectors. So if that connector in the product roadmap, so it will be native connector for user to use. Pretty easy, pretty straightforward. Just go to the purview studio and uh, register scan so that would be native connector and meanwhile so there's also has uh, um the the github and we have the volunteer from microsoft to develop the accelerator so the accelerator using the the python script the rest api and the we you, you can build your own the connector your custom connector yeah that's another way yeah i know uh, uh... Both of you have mentioned the word fast track before, uh, and uh, it's been a while since we've had uh, you know fast, uh, that described on the show. So maybe one of you can just explain what the fast track program is about and how customers get access to that team. Sure. Um, so as you can, as evidenced by Amber, she's actually one of our, our service lead for Purview. So our engineers go very, very deep in the technology. But we are a, we're a complementary program to customers. It's nomination based, and we are really looking for projects where we can do two things. First, to help the customer deploy quickly, the right way, the first time. So we're really looking for customers where this is the first workload that they will be deploying. Um, say IoT, they've never done it before. They want that engineer like. 
Amber, who goes very deep to work with them side by side, um, advising them on what steps to take. So it's not hands-on. Um, it is to totally advisory where you know we'll understand what their end goal is, what the criteria is, and we're really looking for customers who are ready to deploy within three months is our ideal. So if that's a timeline, we understand their drivers. Um, Amber will work with them if it's data, for example, and knowing what their end state is, work with them side by side on the portal to make those design decisions to get that to that end state. So number one, just to help customers deploy quickly the right way the first time. Number two is to help improve the platform. Um, so Amber has been, again, key for Purview, and I think, Amber, there are around 129 engagements we've had for Purview before it even went GA in September. So a lot of what we do is not only we, we want to get customers who also want to deploy new things. Like Cynthia said, APIM, the networking piece is, is now in preview. If a customer is interested in, in wanting to deploy that as a new workload um, for DevOps or app dev, we would love to help them with that. So not only will we help them deploy, but then bring that feedback back to the product group. Um, I as I said earlier, this is complimentary, but our ask then is for their feedback. So on the program, the platform, um, the entire experience. And so that's really um, Fast Track's role here is to help those customers um, deploy and again, improve the platform all up across all solution areas. So thanks for that plug, <laughs> letting us tell a little more of the Fast Track story <laughs> and Fast no, Track Azure, a, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, been, it's been a while since I think we had Alex Uy uh, a, a while ago, I mean, more than two or three years ago. So it's about time we got a refresh on Fast Track. So thank you for that. Fast Track for Azure. I know there's a separate Fast Track for Microsoft 365, which is unrelated. Yeah. Uh, this has been great. Yeah. Uh, Cynthia, were, any more questions for the team here? <laughs> um, Amber, any words of advice for people, customers that want to try Azure Purview? Where should they start? Yeah, um, so I will encourage customers. So we we have a lot of the document uh, on Azure uh, Azure Docs. So uh, if customer want to get started, so they can um, just go to a document and see which connector they want to use. There is a step by step how to use. And uh, um, the, also we I, I recommend all the users you could go to Fast Track FT Live. So we host the Fast Track FT Live session every month, and uh, it's open for everyone. So just register. We are going to go through how to use the purview for the fundamental, all the concepts uh, from the, the purview. So, yeah, that would be another good channel. Yeah, and That's if awesome. they're actually, sorry, if they're ready to deploy, like, um, definitely they can go to the Fast Track Azure site and then um, submit a nomination to self nominate too. Great point. Thanks. Definitely. Well, we'll make sure we include those links in the show notes. Um, any last words of wisdom that you want to share with our listeners? Uh, yeah, oh, Sujit, go ahead. I, I, do have, I do have a quick one actually now. Uh, so from, you know, obviously cost is something that all of our customers uh, think about, right? And so uh, when they, when onboarding something like Azure Purview, uh, what's the cost component that they should be? I know that, you know, this, it provides mm -hmm. a lot of value, so it's difficult mm -hmm. to say, you know, this is, going to cost more or less money. It could be saving them a lot of money in the long run. I understand that. But what is the actual uh, dollar uh, denominated cost for something mm -hmm. like Azure Purview? Mm -hmm. uh, well, how is how's their Azure spend going to increase by having this service? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so the actual purview has the multiple meter uh, for the cost. So it depends on customer using which component in the purview. So uh, basically, they are going to use uh, uh, the computer resource that's behind the scenes. So customer, when customer provision, the purview studio as always has, you know, computer resource. And this has a cost. And if customer want to use in, you know, the classification, classification also has a cost. And they are going to search. And it also depends on which data source they are going to use, since for different Connector is the the price has a little different, so uh, it really depends on customer uh, which component they are used. But uh, I think the good will be it's not just uh, you know the 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 big cost for everything. It's just uh, um, break down the more detail which component the customer going to use. Yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Um, also, huge shout out to Karen who is my mentor when I onboarded to my previous role. And I'm really excited that I finally got her onto the Adra podcast. And Amber, thank you so much as well for sharing all the abundant information around Purview. And that is all we have for today. We'll definitely make sure that we include a lot of the information and links that were mentioned. And thank you all. Thank, thank you. you very much for me here. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.